This is Peter Rosenberger, and one of the reasons I wrote my new book, A Minute for Caregivers, is because I remember the sinking, despairing feeling of struggling as a caregiver. No one knew what to say to me. I didn't understand, and others didn't understand me. For decades, I foraged along and tried to find my path through this medical nightmare that Gracie and I have endured for nearly 40 years. And I've learned to speak the language of caregivers. I speak fluent caregiver. No pastor, no counselor, no medical provider, no friend should ever throw their hands up and say, I don't know what to say to that caregiver. Because I do. Give them a copy of this book. It's called A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day Feels Like Monday. They're easy to read, one-minute chapters that speak directly to the heart of a caregiver, and you can get them wherever books are sold. A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day feels like Monday. Friends don't let friends caregive alone. Caregivers suffer from three eyes. We lose our independence, we become isolated, and we lose our identity. And that's why we do the show is to, to speak to those three things, particularly the, the latter two. I want to I want to help caregivers understand, number one, they're not alone, that they're not isolated, that they're not uh, separated from everyone. It feels like that. It really does. And so we're going to take community to you. That's why we do the show. I want you to hear a friendly voice who has been there, done that, got the scars, and is is blazing a trail for others to be able to travel this a little bit smoother. I didn't have a national radio show when I was doing this starting out. I, I, I became a caregiver when I was 22. I, I didn't have all this. But I've aggregated a lifetime of, of, of experiences to help, uh, things I've learned to help you and myself better navigate the future stuff that's coming down the path. I'm still doing this. And on any given day, my situation is not as dire as some. And on any given day, my situation is more dire than most. Gracie lives with a lot of stuff, man. I mean, she, she deals with a lot of real serious challenges. Now, we've learned to navigate through these things where we're not just over here just uh, groaning and whining all the time. My wife, anybody that knows her knows that, man, this is a woman who loves life. And by the way, John, I can't give any details today, but I will soon. She's getting in studio next week. Oh. And we've already laid down the track. She did kind of a scratch vocal. And she's doing this with a very, very, very cool artist. The two of them are doing a duet together. Oh, right on. And let me tell you something. I was watching her sing. I don't think she's ever sound, sounded better. I mean, it, she's just got this richness to us where she's really kind of found that place in her life where she sings and she owns what she sings about and it's it's beautiful to watch and and I, you're gonna we'll debut the song on the show huh. um i promise you we will that's the advantage of having your own show indeed <laughs> and so and speaking of just a little programming note uh one of my favorite guests we've ever had on the show and i loved him as a comedian before i ever started doing the show Jeff Allen. Oh. He's coming back. Right on. And he was a ton of fun. be at the end of this month, and he's out on his tour uh, right now that is just hilarious. I mean, this guy is, is just so funny. And I want to start introducing more comedians and, and people who but, – but people who are not working out their angst on stage, but just are able to see the funny side of life in the midst of sometimes great sorrow. And, it, and they are able to offer that lifeline of humor – to others, I think that's really important for us as caregivers is that we we learn to lighten up a little bit. That that's the only way Gracie and I've been able to make it. We we've we've cried enough tears, but do we laugh enough? I don't think so. And so that's what one of the things we want to do on this show. And that brings me to a, a letter that I just received. 
from a listener, and and it and, and I saw it, it. It really broke my heart. And the show is um, this listener's opportunity just to kind of listen. They, they, they use this as a as a time for just um, to decompress from from the stuff that they deal. We got a, a seven year old with special needs, but also. This individual had a um, a father that was disabled and had chronic pain for many, many years and was on a good bit of painkillers and um, was sent to the store to pick up the prescription when, when, when she was 22. And the pharmacist said, it's not ready yet. It'll be a couple of days. Mm. And so she went home empty-handed. And her father was so distraught that he ended up taking his life later that night. And it it was it was as you can imagine just a horrific event. And the chronic pain that her father was dealing with plus the the dependence on on painkillers took her father into some very dark places. And as caregivers and 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 and, and the reason I share this and I, I I want to be very careful not to expose anybody for this. But I want to say to that individual, and I and I wrote them back, and I but I also want to say to those who are in any way living with this kind of stuff right now, and these kinds of events happen, I'm asking you for a, to take a leap of faith that this is not on you. This is not on you. You're dealing with forces that are way beyond your ability, and if somebody makes this type of of decision, I I, I I beg of you, please detach yourself from owning that because you didn't do it. Now, here are some things that we can do. Now, we can't guarantee results, but what we can do is we can commit ourselves to speaking life and hope into people's lives who are dealing with these kinds of things. And maybe they're medically dependent, which is far different than being addicted, but it still has a lot of the same properties on an individual. Maybe they are. Maybe they are in a, a deep place of depression. Maybe you are as well. And it's going to be very difficult for you to speak life and hope into someone else's situation if, you're not, if you don't have any yourself. You can't give what you don't have, what you don't lean on. And so I'm asking you to back away from this and, and raise your hand and get some help for you. If you have somebody in your life who is taking any type of behavior-altering chemicals, whether under doctor's care or doing it illicitly. I don't care which one. No matter what the reason is or the the, the impetus is, I'm asking you to get help for you, to help you deal with this, whether it's through a 12-step recovery program like Al-Anon and things such as that, whether it's going to counseling. Please get help for you. There are lots of licensed mental health counselors no, don't, don't, don't go to a life coach for this one, okay? I, I, God bless life coaches, but this is beyond their, their, their scope. You, you really need a trained mental health professional. Now, that could be a, somebody uh, that's a, a licensed clinical social worker or a mental health counselor or psychologist, psychiatrist, but somebody who is licensed, who has really taken the time, and, and somebody that's not fresh out of the school. And speaking from personal experience, <laughs> uh, might be saying a little bit too much, uh, <laughs> 
if the first one doesn't jive with you, yeah. shop around a little yeah. bit. And this, this, is, is, you are, this is not doctor shopping like that. This no, is, no. Yeah, this is, this, <laughs> is a, this is for you. You, ha, you are yeah. free to get up and move around. And and you, there are lots of people out there that can help you. And it may not be the right fit. And it may not be the, the support group you go to may not be the right fit at first. Uh, you may have to try a couple of things. Don't fight with it trying to to force the issue, but glean what you can and then move to the place that best suits your needs. And and when I say they, they don't need to be right out of the factory, you're going to have to have somebody with a little bit of experience on this. Not a little bit, a lot of bit. Uh, because I, God love the ones coming right out of school. Yeah, because they're, they're going to be the ones in the future that, that – and they have to get experience somewhere. And if it, if it happens to work out, it happens to work out. But – Maybe take a look at somebody with yeah, experience. Yeah, with know? a little bit of age on them. A little, yeah. little long in the tooth. <laughs> and uh, um, for this, and, and, and be, be um, relentless in protecting yourself. Be relentless in, in recognizing how important this is to you. Uh, if you're dealing with somebody who has a mental illness, same thing. See, a lot of times caregivers make this mistake. We, we think that if we can get someone to stop behaving in a way that makes us uncomfortable or that's causing us pain, then we'll be okay. The absence of pain is not necessarily healing. And, and it's going to take a long time to unravel certain things. You didn't get here overnight. You're not going to get out overnight. And you become conditioned to these things. And so what I'm asking you to do is, if you don't see it yourself, take the advice of someone who has been down some, some dark roads and get some help, get some help. And, and you know, you may say, well, well, they're not abusing drugs. They're under doctor's care and they're doing these things. My wife doesn't abuse drugs. She never has, but she took an awful lot of them. She'd be the first to tell you this. And, and that's, that can take the patient and the caregiver down a dark path. The chemistry of your body does not care whether it's under a doctor's yeah. care or not. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, and we can debate the, uh, the nature of addiction or substance dependency all day long, but we do know there are th- chemically there are <laughs> things that happen. Yeah. After you after you take these things and at high doses for long periods of time, and your body becomes dependent on them, whether or not a doctor has told you it's okay to do it. Drink six Red Bulls and see if your behavior changes. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and I'm being absurd. Yeah. Uh, because I can. But think about this: if you if you drink a bunch of of, of Red Bull, what's that going to do to your behavior? Well, and now that's just that's just something you could just buy. In the grocery store. Yeah. And then tomorrow, you're probably going to have to drink six and then seven. And then, you know, who knows? You know, because it doesn't work as well because the chemistry doesn't care whether it's legal or not or whether it's ethical or not. It just does it to you. But how does that affect your behavior and then your relationships? All right. And you, you, I'm asking you to please respect what this is doing to you. Respect the trauma that's being done to your own heart, because the healthier you become, the better equipped you're going to be able to be to your loved one when the darkness overcomes them so much that they they are even at the at that cliff of making very very dangerous decisions. And I'm also asking you to to secure things in the home. 
make sure that firearms are secured. If you've got an addiction, a medical dependency, if you've got uh, any type of behavior-altering chemicals being introduced over a long period of time like that, or any, any short-term, make sure that firearms are properly secured in the home. If you don't know how to do it, ask somebody for some help to come over safety and secure the weapons. All right, we, we talk about taking car keys away from folks, but what about shotguns? And for those of you who are out there right now that are pastors that are listening or church leadership of any kind, and, and somebody in your, in your congregation has a substance abuse problem or addiction issue, would you please ask that question? Are the firearms secured? If there's a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or any kind of dementia, would you ask that question? If somebody's battling severe depression, would you ask the question? You know, it, it, why not? Let's, let's, let's practice safety here. And, and don't think for one moment that when the funeral comes, then you'll be okay. Because even death doesn't stop the long-term impact of these things. And you as a caregiver deserve to have a fighting chance at being healthier. Would you, would you t- take advantage of that? Go visit a 12-step recovery program today. Call up. Look online. They're out there everywhere. If you're dealing with somebody with a drug, Narconon or Alanon or all those kinds of things, they're out there. And they're free. What have you got to lose? Hanging around a bunch of people struggling to wrap their minds around something they can't control and, and building each other up in that? What have you got to lose? Keep listening to this show. I take very serious, as goofy as John and I are, and we are, we take very seriously the fact that we may be the only person in your life right now that is willing to speak specifically to that level of heartache. And I take that very seriously. I know what it feels like to be floundering. I know it in ways that I hope many of you never have to know. And I'm asking you to please respect the trauma that's being done to your heart and to your body. And raise your hand and ask for help. You do not have to go down. You do not have to be destroyed by this. You don't. There is a path to safety. It's not an easy path. Never is. But easy is not our goal here. We don't, we're not looking for easy. We just don't want crazy. And what we do to ourselves sometimes is crazy. We push ourselves to, to reckless extremes. It's time to change plans here. Let's give you a fighting chance at safety for you being healthier. I'm not trying to make everybody happy. You're as happy as miserable as you choose to be, but I'm hoping I can point you to healthiness because healthy caregivers make better caregivers. This is Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger, 800-688-9522. 800-688-9522. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Standing with Hope over the years. This is the prosthetic limb ministry that Gracie envisioned after losing both of her legs. Part of that outreach is our prosthetic limb recycling program. Did you know that prosthetic limbs can be recycled? No kidding. There is a 
correctional facility in Arizona that helps us recycle prosthetic limbs. And this facility is run by a group out of Nashville called Core Civic. And we met them over 11 years ago. And they stepped in to help us with this recycling program of taking prostheses and you disassemble them. You take the knee, the foot, the pylon, the tube clamps, the adapters, the screws, the liners, the prosthetic socks, all these things we can reuse and inmates help us do it. Before CoreCivic came along, I was sitting on the floor at our house or out in the garage and when we lived in Nashville and I had tools everywhere, limbs everywhere and feet, boxes of them and so forth. And I was doing all this myself and I'd make the kids help me. And it got to be too much for me. And so I was very grateful that Core Civic stepped up and said, look, we are always looking for faith-based programs that are interesting and that give inmates a sense of satisfaction. And we'd love to be a part of this. And that's what they're doing. And you can see more about that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. So please help us get the word out that we do recycle prosthetic limbs. We do arms as well, but the majority of amputations are are lower limb. And that's where the focus of Standing With Hope is. And that's where Gracie's life is with her lower limb prostheses. And she's used some of her own limbs in this outreach uh, that she's recycled. I mean, she's been an amputee for over 30 years. So you go through a lot of legs and parts and other types of materials, and you can reuse prosthetic socks and liners if they're in good shape. All of this helps give the gift that keeps on walking, and it goes to this prison in Arizona where uh, it's such an extraordinary ministry. Think about that. Inmates volunteering for this. They want to do it, and they've had uh, amazing times with it, and I've had very moving conversation with the inmates that work in this program. And you can see, again, all of that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. They're putting together a big shipment right now for us to ship over. We do this pretty regularly throughout the year as inventory rises, and they need it badly in Ghana. So please uh, go out to standingwithhope.com slash recycle and get the word out and help us do more. If you want to offset some of the shipping, you can always go to the giving page and be a part of what we're doing there. We're purchasing material in Ghana that they have to use that can't be recycled. We're shipping over stuff that can be, and we're doing all of this to lift others up and to point them to Christ. And that's the whole purpose of everything that we do. And that is why Gracie and I continue to be standing with hope. Standingwithhope.com. Take my hand, lean on me. We will stay.